Hey everybody, welcome to the 21 Minutes or Less podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Keisha Milana. And I am your other host, Nakia Smith. And today our episode is all about advocating for yourself. So this is a really important part of self-care, especially when you're an entrepreneur, because you have to speak up and make your needs and wants heard so that you'll be able to actually get some change toward them. So for me, self-advocacy is really, really important because it makes sure that I'm able to speak up and say things that I don't want, but also say things that I do want. So I feel like self-advocacy is all about saying, hey, I think that this is how this should have happened for me. Or, hey, I think that I want this or I deserve this because of X, Y, and Z. So I feel like it's just so important in your personal and professional life, especially when it comes to setting boundaries. And I feel like it's something that everybody needs to learn how to do ASAP. Yes, I totally agree. I am a big self-advocacy person, especially for myself, because I just feel like you can't advocate for somebody else if you can't advocate for yourself. (laughs) This is like, as you know, you got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of somebody else. And I think advocating for yourself and building that confidence will allow you to be confident to advocate for someone else. So for me, advocacy means knowing myself, being aware of my wants and needs, like you said, and setting those boundaries. Because once you do that, people have no choice but to respect it. Yes, I totally agree. If you can't advocate for yourself, not saying you can't advocate for others, but it's just going to be a whole lot more difficult and they might be like, well, how do I trust you to advocate for me if I've never seen you advocate for yourself or you've never even been able to do that? So I 100% agree. And one official definition I found for self-advocacy from lupus.org is self-advocacy means that you are able to tell people about your thoughts and feelings. You're able to ask for what you need and want. You know your rights and you speak up for your rights. And you are able to make choices and decisions that affect your life and take responsibility for the choices you make. Yes. So one thing that stood out for me out of that definition was knowing your rights and speaking up for your rights. I feel like self-advocacy is really difficult to do if you're not even aware of how you're supposed to be treated or what rights that you're entitled to. So it's really important to first start there with knowing your rights knowing what's acceptable and what's unacceptable, regardless of what domain it is in your life, whether it's personal, financial, entrepreneurial, etc. So it's really important for me to advocate for things like my educational rights, my healthcare rights, things of that nature, because that's stuff that if I don't advocate for it, then it can have an adverse impact on me, how much money I'm making, you know, what types of credentials I'm able to secure. So it's super, super important, especially across those domains to know your rights. I'm so glad you talked about that because I did look at like 10 um, steps or effective ways to self-advocacy and the disability rights sort of dot or it gave them. And one of those are know your rights. So I'm going to just go through the list and then maybe we can just give examples as we break them down. So, yeah. So here are the 10 steps to effective self-advocacy. So first is believe in yourself and prioritize your needs. The second one is know your rights. Three is keep records. Four is prepare and plan. Five is be creative and assertive. 
Six is get information and decisions in writing. Seven is your right to appeal. And then eight is interim solutions. That just means you want to consider other options and resources. And then nine is confirm agreements and sign documents. And 10, follow up and thank you. So I wanted to give an example of the Know Your Rights for self-advocacy because I've been to a few conferences and one of them was particularly a law school conference. Mm -hmm. And one of the attorneys was like, one right that people should know that they may not be aware of is that the safest place you can be is in your home. And you can decline police officers or anybody coming into your home if they do not have a warrant. And then if they ask you, can I come in? You can say no. And then they cannot come into your house without a warrant. Now, does it happen? Of course it does. And that's because people don't know their rights. And I just recently learned that it's also the same with your car as well. People don't know that you can decline wanted search. But of course, they have loopholes to where they can have probable cause. But you can ask them, like, what is that probable cause before you allow them access to your car? So those are like the safest places you can be when it comes to protecting yourself, your car and your home. But people don't know that. And then they give up their rights by allowing a police officer to come to their home without a warrant. So that's just an example. Do you have any other examples based off the list that I just provided? Yes. So first of all, I want to respond to what you just said about knowing your rights. It's particularly about in your car. So it's really important also not only to know your rights just as an individual, but also rights vary from state to state. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to know your rights in your particular state, because if you're driving your car going across a cross-country trip or something, you can have different rights depending on where you get pulled over at. So one thing that stood out was when you said, you know, you can refuse to allow a police officer in your car unless they have probable cause. So different states have different probable causes. And one thing I found out when moving to Illinois, but just looking for any recreational marijuana allowing state, that is no longer a probable cause to start your car if you're in a legal state, some of them, but particularly Illinois, I know for sure. Like the police officer can't just say, hey, I pulled you over because, you know, it smells like weed. It smells like marijuana. That's not a probable cause in Illinois anymore. Now, if they say it's some other things going on and that's just one of them, that could be the case. But if that's their sole reason for pulling you over or trying to start your car, that is unacceptable. So make sure you know your rights by state, depending on what you're trying to do. But another thing stood out to me that you said from the list, which was get stuff in writing. That's so important for your rights and being able to advocate for yourself because it leaves a paper trail and it allows you to go back and say, well, hey, this was said to me on this day at this time by this person. And it allows you to have more proof and evidence when you might need to challenge something when someone's trying to violate your rights. So that's the important step for advocacy. That's something I've been doing for a long time. I would rather text you or put something in the email than to, you know, just call you because it's not a way to determine what was actually said later on. Keeping record is very important. I can give you another example. So I used to be with T-Mobile a long time ago and they had charged me twice for something. And it wasn't like a, a small charge. 
it was like a $250 or more twice now. <laughs> so I had printed my documentation. I had put it in a little folder and I went up there and said, hey, I just want y'all to see. I had highlighted and everything. The person who took my stuff, it was like, I have never had anybody do this before. Like come up here with, they, <laughs> with documents in a folder, have it highlighted to show like, and they had no choice but to give me my money back because I had all the evidence and the records. Like I printed the receipts and everything. So it was like, there was no argument. There was no back and forth. There was no less compromise because I had the proper documents in place to show that y'all charged me twice. And another thing that I want people to know is that you have the right to appeal. Just because they make it a person or a group or your work or job, whatever, decides on a decision, that doesn't mean that decision is final. You can always appeal any decision that they make and continue to appeal until y'all can come to a common compromise or a decision that you feel okay with. So never think that a person's no is the final. Yes, absolutely. I had a similar situation where I had to advocate for myself it was when I was moving out of my apartment in Georgia. They sent me a bill for, I think it was like $2,200. And they were like, oh, you didn't move out on the date you were supposed to, according to your lease. I had to bring my lease up. They said I was supposed to be out on the 1st of January. My lease said I was supposed to be out on the 20th of January. So I left on the 20th and they tried to charge me and said I stay until February something. And I was like, no. So I had, first of all, recorded a video going throughout my whole house the day I moved out, showing that nothing was there. Everything was cleaned out and that I didn't have anything left in there. So where they could say, oh, you're still living in here. We're still going to charge you. Secondly, I found out that, okay, I was supposed to turn my key in and I didn't. But I went to the office the day I moved out. They had no sign saying no one was going to be there that day. They were closed. It was locked up. Nobody was there. So I'm like, how can I turn my key in when no one is here? So I had evidence of me going to the office the last day I moved out. And I showed them like no one was here this day. So it was no way for me to turn my key in. And I literally packed my whole apartment up in my car, in my storage and left that day. So how can I turn my key in if I left the state that day? So then they also said that I was supposed to like something with back rent or I didn't pay every month or something. And that was adding on to the charges. So again, I had to do like Nakia, I had to print out all my bank statements. And luckily, again, this goes back to just covering yourself from the beginning. Luckily, I had stopped like my first month paying with a money order. And I started paying with cashier's checks because the cashier's check goes directly from my bank and is made out by my bank to my apartment complex. So it was no way you could say like, I didn't pay this because it was cash. My bank confirmed it. So I had my 12 months of records highlighted each month of my statement when I paid the rent so they could see. And it was one of the best things I could have did. The charge went from like 2200 to like 800 or something. And they were like, well, oh yeah, we're going to take all these other charges off, but we still going to charge you because the carpet was damaged. And I said, you know what? I'll pay for the damaged carpet. Like that's a actual charge that I did mess up. But all the other stuff, they were just trying to tag on a bunch of charges that weren't correct. So I had to make sure that I had all my records to prove to them that they were trying to get more money out of me than they actually were entitled to. 
So I think that's really important to just show you like start from the beginning because had I just been getting money orders every month, it would have been way more difficult to prove that I had gave them the rent money. Had I not show a video of me trying to go to the office on the last day and handing my key or me showing a video that my whole apartment was empty on the 20th or even me having my lease that said the exact date, you know, it would have just been a lot more difficult to fight the charges that I was getting charged for. So know that it's your right to appeal, even when they give you a decision saying, hey, this is what you owe or this is what, you know, you're entitled to. This is what we're entitled to. You need to still be able to say, actually, no, let's go back and forth and challenge this on everything that you're saying. And I have proof for every single thing. So, yeah. Yes, that was a great example because everybody's probably going to experience something like that, especially when you're dealing with an apartment or a home and paying rent and stuff like that. So that was a great example for people to learn from. And then I do want to bring up confirmed agreements and signed documents because we live in a world where even if you go onto somebody's website, it say, do you want to accept cookies? <laughs> it's like, what does that even mean? Like, do I accept all this? And then they following my data. Or if you getting a freebie from somebody and then there's a clause in there to saying they can sell your personal data. It's like, you just want to be careful with anything when it comes to accepting cookies or signing any documentations and agreements, even when it comes to your jobs. They have you signing stuff all the time and you might be so excited about this new job. They may be giving you all this money, but then you're not reading the fine print and showing that they have like a non-compete clause. And then you decide that you want to, you know, start your business. And now you can't because you signed this clause. So always pay attention to everything that you are signing and agreeing to before you put your signature on there. Because once you put your signature down, I mean... You can try to advocate for yourself, but again, when stuff is in writing and you put yourself in a binding contract, it's a little bit harder. Then that's when you probably have to seek an attorney and things like that. Yes. And another thing, too, I think is important is just to make sure you don't take anything personal. So people will try to just do improper policies to everybody. And you have to be the one to advocate for you, because even if the rest of the people that are getting, you know, exposed to whatever type of rights that are being violated, that doesn't mean that it has to happen to you. So don't think people are just trying to get over on you. Sometimes it's really just inequitable policies and procedures. That's for everybody. That's so important. And that goes back to communication as well. Because you you really hit on that. Like being able to advocate for yourself just boils down to having good communication skills and negotiation skills. So those are some things that you should think about, like sharpening. Like if there's a trainings out there that you can take to help with your negotiation skills or to help you build your confidence and anything of that nature, because those skills are skills that you can use, whether it's personal, financial, whether it's in the workplace, those are valuable skills to take across the board with you, no matter what you do. Yes. And one last really important domain where you need to advocate that I want to touch on is health care. You have to advocate for yourself in health care and wellness because no one is going to be there with you at the doctor 99% of the time. Of course, if you're a child, yeah. If you may be elderly, yes. But if you're an adult, that's just going to the doctor on your own. You have to make sure you're doing your research. You're keeping records of stuff. 
even though it might be a power differential with you and your doctor or your care provider, it does not matter. You have rights as being the patient and you need to know your patient rights because doctors will try to refuse you care to something you want to do. They'll try to like minimize your pain amounts or quantities. So you need to make sure that you're able to speak up and say, hey, I really am in pain in this domain of my body or my mental wellness. And it doesn't seem like you're able to help me. So advocating sometimes is just leaving a provider and going to another provider and saying, hey, I already seen this provider. They didn't do anything. Can you help me? And sometimes, again, it's a lengthy process. It can be frustrating, but don't give up because if you just take what that one provider won't give you and say, hey, okay, I give up. I'm just do whatever treatment plan or treatment protocol they suggest, then you might be jeopardizing your health in the long run or even jeopardizing your safety because some things one doctor might not even think about and they let it build and build so it's a bigger issue. And now another doctor has to come and say, actually, no, you were right. This was going on and now it's 10 times worse because we didn't catch it last year or last month or whatever it may be. So please advocate for yourself when you're in a doctor. I know it might be a little bit intimidating. You know, they're the one that went to medical school, but they are not the one who is experiencing whatever you are experiencing in your own body. So do not be afraid to like stand up to them or change care providers because that's something I've had to do before. My doctor wasn't really taking my, no, it was the dermatologist. They weren't taking my skincare needs seriously. And I had to go to another provider who was actually way more experienced in treating what I wanted to be treated. And they actually were able to get me in like a clinical trial. So it's just those things like that where it's like, okay, even if you can't help me, it's something that might be even more experimental that I'm willing to try. And I can't get this type of service from one provider. So I need to go to someone who's able to actually assist. Yes, that's good. Especially dealing with your health because you only get one body. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to take care of it. And also knowing that you can refuse treatment. Just because mm-hmm. your doctor prescribed you something doesn't mean you have to take it. You can also ask them to tell you what are the side effects of that treatment. Ask them if there are any alternatives to that treatment. Mm-hmm. And you can ask them like, hey, is there any foods or any herbs that I can take that coincides with this without me having to Take something that will give me side effects. You know your body more than anybody else. I don't care how long a doctor has been practicing. I don't care what school they went to. You know your body. And sometimes your intuition will be more accurate than what the doctor is trying to say. So the best thing you can do when you know you have health issues is keep records of your symptoms. Try to notice like how you're feeling when you eat certain things and you do certain activities and write those down so you can... You yourself can start seeing the patterns. And then when you do go to the doctor, you have those records to give them so they can accurately give you treatment. Yes. And don't be afraid to ask your provider if they're not doing what you need them to do or they're ignoring certain health issues. Ask them to sign a note saying, I would like you to specifically say that 
you did not treat this certain ailment that I'm experiencing. Because again, that goes back to being proactive. And if they're ignoring something that has the potential to get worse and affect your whole entire physical health, you can sue them later on if they were negligent or if they refused to treat you for a certain thing. But again, it's going to be so much harder if you don't have something saying that they specifically refuse to give you treatment. Or if you don't have any records that show that you did try to seek treatment because the doctors are going to be super vague in their notes. They're going to be like, hey, we gave this. They're not going to say what you asked them for and they didn't give, though. So, again, just be proactive. Take things seriously from the beginning before it even gets serious. So, yeah. Anything else you want to add, Nakia? No, I think we covered everything. Yes. So I hope this helps somebody to advocate for themselves a little bit more this week or this month or this year. And, you know, make sure y'all go follow us on social media at 21 Minutes or Less. And then you can follow our personal pages. Mine is at Keisha Milana. And mine is at Miss Butterfly 21. And I just want to leave y'all with a quote or a message It is okay to get a second or third opinion. That's it. (laughs) Yes. And we'll see y'all on the next episode.